Amen. What a blessing, especially midweek. What an encouragement. Thank you so much. What you witnessed tonight um, took many, many, many hours of preparation. And so thank you guys for that. It was wonderful. Thank you for playing the piano so beautifully. Um, our team is willing tonight to go over and spend some time with our teens. So our teens are going to make their way at this time back to uh, the uh, team room. And if you guys would follow them, they're going to, uh, to uh, give them a lesson back there. You all get to stay here with me. And I wonder, uh, James, could you help me out? Could you grab um, the, the Bible study sheets tonight? And um, Randy, would you mind helping him and grabbing the bulletins? And if you did not get a bulletin and or a study sheet, just put your hand up and we'll make sure you get them tonight. And if you don't have a pen, they can get those, well, we can try to figure out pens. Once you have that, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. <coughs> By the way, did the one say that, that uh, he was going into ethical hacking? Did I understand that right? Wasn't that interesting? The very next person, the detective. I found that interesting, that correlation there. <coughs> I appreciate the school watching out for us by putting a detective right there. I was blessed. I am blessed. My heart's rejoicing tonight. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> well, obviously, we don't have the kind of time we normally would to delve into this, so I will go hurriedly. Uh, may not get it all covered tonight. If not, we'll uh, cover it next Wednesday night. But uh, we are studying the book of Isaiah chapter by chapter, and tonight we're in chapter 43. And uh, I told you this before, but by the time we get to chapter number 39, uh, we have finished 39, uh, through 39, we finished 39 chapters primarily describing God's judgment on Israel and Judah. And so when you turn the page, chapter 40, it's like taking this big breath of fresh air. And so now we are enjoying that. Now he still go ba goes back and, and reminds them of, of why they are where they are, but the overwhelming atmosphere has changed dramatically. And so let me read just a verse, and then we'll pray and get into it. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 1. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much for this sweet time that we've had tonight. I thank you so much, Lord, for the investment on behalf of each of these guys, and I pray that you might bless them and keep them safe for the remainder of their journeys. I pray now that we, as we open the book of Isaiah, Spirit of God, that you would give to us what we need tonight. Lead us and guide us and quicken our minds, Lord. Here we are in a midweek service. We'd ask for you to sharpen us, Lord, and, and uh, would you be glorified, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, Roman number one is God's goodness. Verses one through eight describe the goodness of God. I can spend all night talking about God's goodness. I hope that you don't leave here without being encouraged by God's goodness. Letter A, God encouraged Israel to not fear. I'm encouraging you tonight to not fear. I read the verse, the same God that created the world we live in, along with mankind, also gave life and form to Israel. He told his people to fear not and gave them three specific reasons in this first verse. Number one, God redeemed Israel from their 400-year bondage in Egypt. I'm telling you, don't fear. Remember how I brought you out of Egypt after 400 years? 
Remember how I parted the Red Sea? Remember how I cared for you all the way? You have no reason to fear. God similarly redeemed the New Testament church by purchasing us with His blood. 1 Peter 1.18 For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Number two, God singled out Israel by name. He says, oh, Jacob. Of course, it's the same as Israel. Oh, Jacob. He called him sometimes Israel, sometimes Ephraim, sometimes Israel, Jacob. Number three, God declared his rightful ownership of Israel. He encouraged Israel to not fear because of his covenant relationship with them. I made a promise with you. If you will make me your God, I will be your God. There's a, there's a covenant promise there. You are my people. I am your God. Letter B, God gave promises of his care and protection. Verse 2, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. God continued to reassure Israel with promises. As he had safely taken them through the Red Sea and the Jordan River, he would continue to go with them and protect them. Israel and the church today can rest on this promise of God's care and protection. God also promised protection from fire. Israel would go through many fires, but God would always remain faithful. He graphically illustrated this truth in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown in the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar. God takes care of his people. By the way, the Hebrew names, Hananiah, Azariah, and I had trouble, I had to look it up. Remember the third one. Who's the third one? Yeah, thank you, Mishael. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Verse 3, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Letter C, God identified himself and reminded Israel of his protection. God had made significant promises. Now he backs them up by revealing his identity. He was Jehovah the same as Jesus in the New Testament. He was the Holy One of Israel. God's holiness is here emphasized as He refers to Himself on more than 50 times in the Bible. And He is Israel's Savior. He's ours, of course, as well. From them, God gave Egypt, Ethiopia, and Seba. God saved the firstborn of Israel, but destroyed in Egypt, on that dreadful night, the firstborn, now celebrated as the Passover. He also brought great victories over Ethiopia and Seba, ultimately defeating them both by conquerors such as the Assyrians. We see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Letter D, God sees His people through the eyes of His work in them. Verse 4, Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable. And I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. 
God had redeemed Israel because they had been precious in His sight. And by the way, so are you. You're precious in His sight. God, because He had redeemed them, He saw them through His work for them as honorable. He had worked in them, and because of His working in them, they were honorable. Christians today are beloved in His sight because of the blood of Jesus. As such, He sees us through the blood as honorable. We fall so short of His holiness now, but He's working in us to shape us into the image He sees us in His Son. 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Verse 5, Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Letter E. God reminded Israel that his plan for them was still playing out. He wasn't finished. God reassured his people to fear not. His presence here is promised. His master plan is revealed enough to remind them that he is still in full control of his master plan. During the tribulation, he will draw his dispersed people from all parts of the world back home to Israel. There was a foreshadowing of this grand event back in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And Jews began returning to Israel at that time. But that was just a partial fulfillment. Verse 8, bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Letter F, God's intention is to heal His people. The call will go out for all of Israel, even those handicapped. We know that as they come in contact with their Redeemer, they will be marvelously healed, for Jesus will heal all who come to Him in the millennium. Isaiah 29, 18 and in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Number two, God's greatness. The first part of the chapter, God's goodness, now God's greatness. Verses 9 through 21. Verse 9, let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled who among them can declare this and show us former things. Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified, or let them hear and say it is truth. Letter A, let the nations try and deny God's greatness. God calls all the nations to testify. Can any of their gods begin to compare with the perfect record of fulfilled prophecies made by God? Well, of course the answer is no. God's works and declarations continually prove his greatness and majesty and dominance over all other gods and powers of man. Verse 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. 
Letter B, Israel should powerfully testify to God's power and sovereignty. And that's the purpose for God's choosing them, that they might be a witness of God's eternal power to the world around them. Of course, Israel failed horribly. They were the people whose forefathers had walked through the sea on dry land. Of all people, Israel should be prepared to stand up and testify to the glory of God. Verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Let her see there is one God and one Savior of mankind, Jehovah. God rightfully declares His Lordship over all. God is Jehovah, the Savior of the world. All who come to Him by faith find shelter, wisdom, and salvation. Verse 12, I have declared and have saved, and I have shown when there was no strange God among you. Therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Letter D. God's people should be witnesses of His saving power. God had consistently reminded Israel that He was to be their God and protector. He had repeatedly saved them from their enemies and over the powers of those lifeless gods. Because of that, Israel should be bold witnesses of God's power to the world around them. So is the responsibility for God's people today. Psalm 107, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse 13, Yea, before the day was I, Yea, before the day was, I am he, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Letter E, God reminds Israel of His almighty power. Before even the creation of day and night, God existed as God. And is all-powerful, there is none more powerful than God. When God works, no one or nothing can stop Him. Letter F, God had firm control of their future. Verse 14, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon, and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans, whose cry is in the ships. God began reminding His people who He is. He's Jehovah. He's their Redeemer. He's their Holy One of Israel. This message comes while His people are living in fear because of the Assyrian threat. The book of Isaiah was given while they were under the domination or the coming domination of Assyria. God looks behind, I'm sorry, beyond more than 150 years into the future, even beyond their Babylonian exile and captivity, to when Babylon will be defeated by the Medes. Though they could not see it yet, God was telling them, I've got the future. I've got the future. More than 150 years in the future, he was describing it. I've got this. If that's the case, then why do we worry so much about tomorrow? God's got it. God's got the future. If he can handle it 150 years in the future, don't suppose he can take care of tomorrow? God's got this. Verse 15, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, Letter G, God as their king 
is revealed. God again regales His divine titles, this time attributing to Himself the title King. Though He is King today, He will appear in the clouds and set up His reign during the millennium. Jesus will rule and reign as King for all the world to see. 1 Timothy 6.14, That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as a toe. Letter H. God made a way for His people in the past. God reminded Israel how He had parted the Red Sea for them, allowing them to cross on dry ground. He then defeated the Egyptian army by the might of His great power. Israel was defeated and put out like a wick on a candle. T-O-W. I said toe. Is that towel? And a, and a candle? That, that waxy stuff? Is that candle or is it toe or towel? You know, what is it? Flip a, flip a coin. <laughs> towel? Nancy says it's towel. It's got to be towel. Thank you. <laughs> and Randy says flip a coin. So <laughs> Letter I. God told Israel their past will fade in light of what lie ahead. Verse 18. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. God told His people that the events in their future will be so great they will overshadow the marvelous accounts of their past. Now, now that's pretty significant. Parting the, the Red Sea and crossing on dry land, that's pretty significant. The walls of Jericho tumbling down. He said, the events of your future are going to be so great, they will overshadow those things of the past. I love chapters 40 and on. I love these. Verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. By the way, did I give you a letter I? God told Israel their past will fade in light of what lie ahead. Okay. Verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. Letter J, God described a blessed time in the millennium. He directed His people to the time in their future when the wilderness will be renewed by flowing rivers. It'll be a time where even the animal world dramatically changes to become docile. He described the millennium when God will restore the land back to its fertile Garden of Eden-like state. Verse 21, This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Letter K, God's people will ultimately praise Him. God made Israel for His own glory. He provided for them and redeemed them. They will praise Him before the world around them. Colossians 1.16, For by Him were all things created 
that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. Number three, Israel's failure. <laughs> Israel's failure, letter A. Israel had not given God the praise due Him. Verse 22, But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Sadly, the praise that God wanted and expected from His people had not yet come. Even worse, Israel had tired of the expectations that God had for them. They began to groan under God's leadership. Verse 23, Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings, neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Letter B, Israel was neglecting the burnt offerings. They had grown careless in their sacrifices. They were not bringing the goats and lambs, called the small cattle here, for the burnt offerings. Those, to re, those were to be done morning and evening, but they had been neglected. God told them that He had not burdened them oppressively by offering requirements. Malachi 1.13, Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it! And ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye have brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this at your hand, saith the Lord? They were bringing the animals that nobody would buy. They were the, off, off, they, they were the, the handicapped ones. And God said, I want the very best. I want your very best. I want the firstborn. I want the animals of no blemish. Verse 24, Thou hast bought me no sweet cane with money, neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with thy sins, Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. Let us see. Israel had refused to offer their best to God. They had not offered the sweet-smelling incense called sweet cane here to the Lord as prescribed in the law. They had also refused to bring of their best for sacrifices. They brought him the leftovers, those animals that had little value. God said he was weary with their sin. Ah, but see how it closes? Number four, God's mercy. God's mercy. I love it. I love it. His goodness. He describes His goodness. And He spends time on His goodness, then His greatness. But then He spends a little bit of time in these chapters reminding them of their wickedness and how all this goodness and, and, it, and, and they, they, they should have been praising Him all along. But He said, in spite of your condition, I'm merciful. Verses 25 through 28. Verse 25, I, even I, am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Letter A, God declared His unmerited mercy. It wasn't earned. We didn't deserve it. Israel certainly didn't deserve it. In spite of Israel's willful negligence, God remained faithful to forgive. 
He wiped out their sins for His sake and for His glory. His merciful work was to bring glory to His name. Isaiah 44, 22, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Verse 26, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Letter B, God encouraged His people to come to Him and find justification. Come to me and find justification. He told them to remember all that He had done for them. He invited them to discuss with Him all His righteous acts and His abundant forgiveness. He encouraged them to come to find justification from their sin in Him. Isaiah 1.18, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Verse 27 and 28, Thy first father hath sinned, and thy teachers have transgressed against me. Therefore I have profaned the princes of the sanctuary, and have given Jacob to the curse, and Israel to reproaches. Letter C, Israel had continually transgressed against God, so they would have to be judged. To Israel, he stated that from their forefathers until the present, their leaders had sinned against God. Because their sin continued, God would bring a profaning of the sanctuary, likely a look at Babylon's desecration of the temple. God had been good to Israel, but they had continued to rebel against Him. They would have to face His judgment and look to a blessed future beyond. Jeremiah 24, 9, And I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. Powerful chapter. God's goodness. I love, I love these chapters. I love looking at God and His goodness. I love reveling in that. But we have to be reminded that all of God's goodness and all of His mercy is, is in spite of us. It's His love for us, His mercy. He's the one deserving all of our praise. Thank God for Isaiah 43. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love, and thank you for blessing us and giving us this enjoyable evening tonight. I thank you for the great music we had, and I thank you, Lord, for this chapter you've given to us and for an opportunity to look at your greatness and your goodness. And then, Lord, to be reminded of your mercy. Lord, we are so undeserving, but we're so grateful tonight. I pray, Lord, that in a few minutes when we leave this place, that we will do so with greater appreciation for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.